from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program, featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media, your liberty-loving Latino amigo, and I'm happy to be with you live on this Friday evening on hundreds of stations across America, millions of people tuning in, and it's really an honor and a pleasure to be with you. If you want to join our late-night national town hall conversation, feel free to give me a call, 833-4-VALDEZ, that's 833-482-5337. And tonight we're going to talk about a bunch of things. We're going to get into a a myriad of topics. There's so much to talk about. But one story that's breaking tonight, or this afternoon rather, was the passing of Tony Bennett. Tony Bennett is a staple in American music and American pop culture. I mean, he's done songs uh, from, from way back in the day through doing duets with Lady Gaga. When you talk about a talent, we're talking about a, a true talent in Tony Bennett. And it, it's, uh, it's a sad day in our history um, that, that we have to um, acknowledge, you know, the, and celebrate the life of such uh, just an epic, an epic uh, entertainer and performer professional. Uh, and we're going to get to that in a moment. I also wanted to let you know we're going to talk about the uh, state of affairs and politics, all of the whistleblower hearing, hearings, uh, as well as just uh, a myriad of other topics. But right now, I want to bring in somebody who is an entertainer extraordinaire in his own right, uh, a friend of the program, a former colleague of mine when I was on the air in New York City. And uh, it's, it's a great honor and a pleasure for me to introduce Tony Orlando to help me remember uh, Tony Bennett. Tony Orlando, welcome, sir. Well, Mr. Valdez, you have one of the greatest shows that radio has ever had. Oh, I got to compliment you. There's nothing you can't do well, and I'm honored to be on the air with you to talk about Tony. Thank you, Tony Orlando. God bless you, my brother. Everybody, I just want you to know that Tony Orlando is my brother in many ways because he's what he likes to call a Greek Rican, right? <laughs> part Greek, part Puerto Rican. I love that. <laughs> my mom, my mom. Born in New York, but my mother's mother and father, my grandparents, were born in Anyasco, Puerto Rico. And my Weba. grandparents on my Greek side, on my dad's side, who also my dad was brought up in New York City. Uh, my Greek side, they are from Crete, Crete. And so I, I remember when I used to do shows with Freddie Prinz back on that, you know, he was, wow. uh, uh, he was Hungarian and Puerto Rican. And he would get on it. So we had a production company called Hungarian, uh, Hungarian, Greek, Greek Productions. <laughs> That's so <laughs> it cool. It went across the screen and filled the CinemaScope screen. I'm telling you, it was the longest production name company on the planet. <laughs> that is funny. Now, Tony Orlando, uh, you 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 started out playing in Vegas, and you played with the Rat Pack, and I'm 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 sure at some point you have crossed paths with the late great Tony Bennett. Tell us about it. Well, I know Tony Bennett back as far back as 1961. 
Wow. Uh, I, I remember working in London with him. His manager was named D. Anthony, who became famous and managed a lot of rock and roll stars, including Michael Jackson. And I know Tony, I was 16 years old. And we did a show called, uh, that was a, uh, Monday night, Sunday night at the Palladium, it was called. And very often the Queen of England would be in the audience. Wow. And I had a number one record in England at that time. I was only 16 years old. It was called Bless You, and I was scared to death. And who came over to comfort me and to give me the uh, confidence to go out there? It was Tony Bennett. And the audiences in England revered him. From, I don't mean every time he would be at concert in London, it would be like the king of America came to uh, England. Like we had a royalty member here in this country by the name of Tony Bennett. Now, it's really interesting because we had a lot of royalty that went to England at that time. We had Sammy Davis and Dean Martin and, of course, Frank Sinatra. Mm-hmm. But there was something about Tony Bennett. My, with my apologies to the names I just mentioned, that absolutely went to the core of every audience and anybody who ever came to listen to that voice. The saddest part of today is that we will never hear that voice anymore. Amazing. I mean, uh, it's, you know, uh, I mean, we, it's we, just we'll amazing. Hear it in the records that he made, Mr. Valdez, you know, he, mm-hmm. we know that. But to think we'll never hear him come out live, because even in his 90s with Lady Gaga, he sang his butt off. Oh, the guy's uh, just a legend. Yeah. Amazing. And and I I just want to share something real quick. I don't want to take too much time here, but I'm sharing with the audience. I remember once I, I told Mr. Orlando, I said, you know, Mr. Orlando, he said, hold on a second. You can't call me Mr. Orlando. You got to call me Tony. I said, all right, then, then I, I will call you Tony if you call me Rich. You can call me Richie because well, we're, you know, know, we're, we're both Puerto Rican. I was waiting. <laughs> yeah, Rich, you do a great job. And tonight I really appreciate you having me on because I really love Tony and I spent a lot of time with him. And I was making a movie with Adam Sandler called That's My Boy. And he was working uh, high on a sport. And uh, I spent a lot of time with him there. And I really love him and miss him. And his son is a tribute to him, truly. Tony uh, Orlando, it is such an honor to have you with us. Now, uh, what, what's going on with you lately? What is, uh, how do uh, people find you? How do they, how do they um, you know, enjoy some of the work that you're doing? Well, I'm on uh, every Saturday night. Uh, I'm doing radio like you, and I'm enjoying it. Absolutely. Uh, Saturday night from 10 to midnight on WABC, a very iconic radio station in New York and New Jersey. And of course, we, uh, we go around the world now. The way things are, you can go around the world. And it's a big hit for me, and I'm very happy about that. And I continue to be on the road. Right now, I just closed here at Mohegan Sun Arena. Uh, in Connecticut? Show there. Yeah. Get out of here. I'm dying to see Tony Orlando. <laughs> I got I to gotta find yeah, out when you're in my there. area. We had, we had about... We had about 9,000 people in the arena there. It's a wonderful wow. venue. I've been working that arena now and that venue for 31 years. And, uh, you know, next year will be my last year performing. And I'm going to close. The, my, my last show will be at Mohegan Sun. I better hurry up and get married so I can have you at my wedding to perform since it's your <laughs> last year. Jeez. 
You got Unbelievable. it. Unbelievable. You got it. Oh my gosh, Tony Orlando. And let me tell you, folks. Uh, you know, I, I had the pleasure of meeting Tony Orlando when I worked with him at WABC Radio in New York City, iconic radio station where I started my career years ago, and not that many years ago, but some years ago. And uh, I can tell you, what a great guy, both on the air and off. He's he's a, a true talent. He's he's an amazing amazing treasure to uh, America as a whole. You should check out his show oh, because thank you. he's on during this time slot, but I'm not on during the weekends, right? So make sure you check him out. Thank he's, God. Uh, he's got thank a great God, show. He <laughs> <laughs> really does have a great show. Check them out at wabcradio.com, wherever you are. And Tony Orlando, how do people follow you on social media? I'm on everything. Yeah, I'm on everything. Facebook, yeah, I'm on everything. So Twitter, you name it, I'm there. Anybody wants to find me, they can find me there. And I'm, I'm blessed that you asked me tonight, though. I might, Rich, really. Well, we got to do it again. I wanted, yeah, I wanted to say something about my friend Tony. Thank you for Please this opportunity. Do. Absolutely. Thank it you. is a pleasure. God bless you, Tony Orlando. Thank you so much for being with us. Godspeed to you, and we got to do it again soon. And if you're in New York anytime soon, you got to give me a call so we can do lunch. And as they say in Spanish, que Dios te bendiga. Ah, que Dios te bendiga, Tony Orlando. God bless you too, my brother. Thank you so much. Folks, there's more to come straight ahead. We'll continue with all of the political news of the day, but I didn't want to let any time go by without honoring Tony Bennett and uh, checking in with our dear friend, Tony Orlando. Thanks again, Tony. Thank you, buddy. All right, folks, more to come when we return. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. to you, Rich, all the time. America at Night with Rich Valdez. If it is, if it's a matchup between Biden and Trump, I know exactly where I'd go. I would go with, I would go with Joe Manchin. I am one who doesn't like to use my vote for the lesser of evils. I want to be proactive in who I think could do the job. I think Manchin could do the job. But will our system allow for that? That I don't know. So there's a new poll out that finds that just 16% of registered voters would consider supporting a fusion third party ticket with West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin for president, highlighting the uphill path for any Democrat, including Manchin, if they were to enter the 24 race as a third party candidate. The poll was conducted by... Monmouth University released yesterday showing uh, the dissatisfaction amongst a significant block of American voters at the prospect of a rematch between President Biden and former President Trump. At least that's what they seem to draw from that. Um, support for third candidates, though, uh, third party candidates is dropping. And I don't know if that's because of Manchin or because of the idea of a third party candidate. Right. I, I really don't know the answer to that. But somebody that might know the answer is the executive vice chairman of the New York State Republican Party, managing director and founder of One Empire Group, my buddy John Burnett. You've seen him on Newsmax, seen him on Fox News. Heck, I even saw him the other day on the Young Turks, and they beat me up a bunch of times. <laughs> so, John Burnett, welcome to the program. Great to be here with you, Rich. All right, John Burnett. So I want to get into uh, a little bit of a discussion. 
with um, this idea that Joe Manchin, yet that audio we played on the way in was Lisa Murkowski saying that she would vote for Joe Manchin if there were, in fact, uh, uh, a matchup again between Trump and Biden. I I don't know um, if everybody feels that way, but what's your take on a Manchin candidacy? Well, I think that, uh, as you pointed out in your intro, there is an appetite for a third-party candidate because people on the left have lost confidence in Joe Biden uh, for several reasons. One, uh, he's frail. Uh, Some deem him even incompetent. And his policies haven't worked for the working class. And they don't see the strength on shore as an American leader should have as well as in foreign affairs. So I think people are open to a third-party candidate. Is it Joe Manchin? I'm not sure, but he does have a good national brand. Um, And he does vote Democrat the majority of the time, although on occasion he does caucus with uh, Republicans. Um, And we should have a leader that that can broker on both sides. However... um, can he beat Donald Trump? I, uh, I sincerely doubt that because many voters, even in his home state, are Trump supporters. But yeah, hundred percent, and and that's the part I think that really matters most, right? Uh, anybody that could, I think RFK doesn't hurt uh, Trump. I don't think Joe Manchin hurts Trump. I think all of them both uh, really hurt Biden and splinter off uh, the vote. Now, let's talk about this. Do you think that there's an appetite for a third-party candidate, or do you think there's an appetite for somebody other than Trump v. Biden? I think, I think people want to, see, uh, they want to see a different fight. They want to fight. They just want different players. Um, but mm-hmm. we don't know how that's going to turn out. Um, while Biden is slipping, it seems as though uh, moderate Democrats and some some Democrats uh, in the progressive wing of the left are backing Biden, as you can see, even with AOC. So they might prop him up uh, enough to get through the Democratic Democratic uh, primary. And if Trump continues to hold a strong lead, especially in the early caucus and primary states. And if he runs the table on Super Tuesday and shortly thereafter, it kind of sucks the wind out of many of the um, individuals uh, in the the GOP primary. So we might end up, despite what people might want or their preferences, we might end up with a Trump-Biden rematch. And if that is the case, which is likely to turn out that way, I think people will say, you know what, we've experienced both in net net in terms of my livelihood, in terms of my children, in terms of my business. I'm going to place my chips on President Trump. 
Now, John Burnett, uh, I, I think you're right in that analysis if that is, in fact, the matchup. My question for you is, I feel like there's a lot of people that just don't believe that Joe Biden is in it to win it. He registered his home in Delaware as his campaign headquarters. Now, I could understand a, a candidate that's an incumbent registering their home as their headquarters if they were so secure in a reelection that they felt, look, I, this is a shoo-in. I've got this hands down. But Biden's had a, a very difficult time um, maintaining or even achieving very favorable uh, ratings. He hasn't gotten those. Uh, Biden's had a tough time with inflation. Biden's had a tough time with the Afghanistan withdrawal. Uh, Biden's had a tough time with military recruitment. I mean, there's so many areas where Biden's really fighting the good fight, if you will. So to me, it seems by making his home his campaign headquarters that he's really signaling or indicating that he's non-committal and that he's not really here to stay, that he's going to, you know, kind of bow out gracefully. Do you think I'm reading into those tea leaves uh, with too much conspiracy theory or do you think I'm onto something? I mean, at this point, everything that we've been through the last two election cycles, I think everything is on the table. However, let me just throw this out there. Um, with all of the current allegations, evidence, whistleblowers and so forth in terms of how the Bidens have put placed money um, in their pockets. Perhaps maybe this is another way to put more money, campaign money into, into their pockets, right? Because that space has to be paid for. Uh, and let's just be mm. fair. Let's just be fair. Trump use used and is currently using his plane, he used it uh, in all of the elections. And if I, if, I, if I was President Trump, I would, I would probably do the same thing. I'm used to my own plane. I would have to have a plane anyway, so why, it might as well be mine. I'm already accustomed to. Um, are the Bidens that smart? Are the Bidens that savvy? I'm not sure. Uh, we know that the Bidens aren't that rich, but we'll see how this plays out. But we do know... That's John Burnett, hold on right there. Folks, we're coming right back with John Burnett, uh, vice chair of the New York Republican Party. Don't go anywhere. I am Rich Valdez. 833-4-VALDEZ is our number. 833-482-5337. Don't move a muscle. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. America, this is night. This is Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Uh, we're on with John Burnett, uh, vice chair of the New York Republican Party. And John Burnett, we were uh, finishing a thought that you had on Trump using his own plane. Go right ahead. Yeah, so I think, I think you know, I said that in response to um, 
Biden using uh, his home, as you as you reported. Um, so I, I wouldn't look into that too much. I think, again, the Democrats are not uh, excited about Biden. But what's equally as important is that they're not happy with the vice president, Kamala Harris. <laughs> and I think, you know, they're part of them. Part of the reason why they're propping Joe Biden up is because Kamala Harris is far worse. So, so, so they're caught between a rock and a hard place, uh, and that's why Governor Gavin Newsom, uh, Senator Joe Manchin, uh, uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., and others uh, are waiting on the side—not necessarily waiting, uh, but but positioning themselves. So that way, if if Joe Biden does, for for whatever reason, whether whether the 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 uh, he's indicted, I mean, Hunter's indicted, and and the family issues come to full full light, or his health fails, or whatever reason, that they are ready to stand in the gap. But I think it's very clear to the working class voters that even if any of these other people step forward, President Trump or possibly anyone else, but I think President Trump will prevail, is better than the left because America is sick and tired of the woke. They're sick and tired of the high interest rates and everything that was good under Trump, they want that back. Mm-hmm. Now, John Burnett, I want to switch gears there, right there, because you mentioned something that... Uh... I think is important. And I want to give a little background, right? So yesterday I was in the green room at Newsmax and I walk in, who do I see? Somebody that goes to the same exact barber as me, my buddy, John Burnett, looking uh, bright eyed and bushy tailed over there. He was doing the television show right before I was uh, the, the, the show right before I did. And we were talking about the hearings that were about to commence. And then they commenced while we were there talking. And Robert F. Kennedy Jr. walks in and gives his opening statement. And I think it was a it was a very strong opening statement. And I want to talk a little bit about his candidacy, a little bit about your reaction to what he said on Capitol Hill yesterday, as well as working our way into and we could leave it for the next segment if you like. But I'd like to eventually get your take on the whistleblowers uh, from the IRS which I thought that was jaw-dropping as well. But let's start off with uh, your reaction to RFK Jr. I think his opening statement was awesome. Uh, I also met him in the green room about a month and a half ago. Um, he was very personable. He listened. Uh, he was very engaging. So I think his heart is in the right place. And you also saw his heart his passion uh, on display in his opening comments, such that even the Democrats wanted to censor him uh, yeah. at a censorship hearing. Why? Because he was very compelling, and he did it from his heart, not reading from a piece of paper as an opening statement, as so many people do during a hearing or even a confirmation hearing. So the thing is, is that uh, he, he made very good points, indisputable, and I think it really put shed light on Democrats how they 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 really want to pave the way for Biden, 
by trying to make a mockery of RFK Jr., but he turned the tables on them. Mm-hmm. So, so, so just like they're, they attacked him, we will likely see that the Democrats will begin to attack uh, Mr. Ziegler, one of the, the, one of the IRS whistleblowers, even though he's a mm-hmm. Democrat. He's a Democrat with a high level of integrity. I thought I would never say that in the same sentence. But he's a Democrat with a high-level integrity. Here's something else I thought I would never, ever say in my lifetime. He actually, for the first time in American history, validated that saying, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. (laughs) He's from the government and he was there to help not only our democracy, but also hold high-level people accountable, something that we have not seen from our FBI and DOJ. So I'm glad for his testimony. I'm glad that the evidence that he's bringing forth uh, is, is outstanding and incredible. And I just want to, and I know that there's a lot of Americans that feel the same way, I want to be able to, to fast-track this. I feel that it's dripping. It's moving too slow. I want to see more energy because we have a lot of evidence. Let's bring it to the table and let's, and, 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 and let's, and let's bring an indictment because we see how, how quick they are with regard to President Trump. I don't know what, how many indictments are we up to now? Two or three? Four? I have no idea. But hmm. it seems like every other month he's get, he, President Trump is being indicted for some, something ridiculous. But yet they're slow-walking Hunter Biden. It's such a shame that they're slow-walking Hunter Biden. But I think ultimately that that's the best we're going to get from, from that particular situation. I really don't have any expectation that will ever be um, fair or right or true uh, in, in the approach to Hunter Biden. I just don't see it happening. Uh, call me a skeptic, but I just don't see it happening. Now, um, I do want to get your thoughts on a couple of more things. So let me give out the phone number to the callers that may have a question for you. 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. Our guest is John Burnett. Uh, he is uh, a great guy. You've seen him on television a, a bunch of times on all the different networks, even on the Young Turks, like I mentioned. I was flipping through the channels the other day, and I said, hey, there's John, John Burnett giving him hell over there. But uh, you've also seen him... Um, on Newsmax, on Fox, on all of the on the big networks. And uh, he's been on our show before, and we're grateful for it. John Burnett, stick with us. We're coming right back. Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Three four Valdez. That's eight three three four eight two five three three seven eight three three four Valdez. That's Valdez with an S. 
All right, America, welcome back. Let's go to the phones real quick. Pat in Sedona, Arizona on KDGO. You're on with John Burnett and Rich Valdez. Go right ahead, Pat. Hey, Rich, thank you. Uh, Mr. Burnett, thank you. Uh, you make me feel so good uh, hearing good things coming out of New York from a Republican. But I'm going to tell you something. I like the way you talked about the Democrats. I don't hate Democrats. I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I am part of the growing group of, of uncommitted uh, voters. And there's a lot of us more and more out here in Arizona and out here in the West. And I, I agree with you about uh, the Ziegler fellow. And uh, a lot of the liberals are giving up on Joe Biden, which I, I, I cannot understand why they're taking so long. But uh, I know Trump is not everybody's cup of tea, but he's the only one I see that really knows and sees it through a businessman's view. And that's where I am. I'm a, I'm a retired businessman. And maybe that's not the way to be personal to people, but sir, mm-hmm. thank you. I, I, I'd like your comments because uh, I have friends who are Democrats and I do not hate them. They think I do. And I say, I don't, I just disagree with you. Can we have a debate without anger? You know, thank you, That's, Pat. Right. Appreciate it. No, uh, John I Burnett. Go right ahead. That, Pat. I appreciate that. And to that point, uh, I don't hate Democrats either. We shouldn't. We're fellow Americans. And let's be honest, I have a lot of Democrats in my family, uh, some of my frat brothers, and we debate. But what is, what is not debatable is that we had global peace under President Trump. We didn't have all this turmoil. Uh, and, we, and we had prosperity at home, both household prosperity, whether you're single or married uh, or single or, or married with children. Uh, or if you're running a small business or large corporations. For the first time, many corporations were actually giving bonuses and wages were, were, were market-driven and rising higher, not legislative. So I think, I think those things are indisputable, separate and apart of how, how people on the right and left felt about or still feel about President Trump. We had peace abroad. And we had prosperity at home. That's that's American. That's freedom. Yeah, well put, John Burnett. And uh, Carolyn from Butte, Montana, has a question for you as well. Carolyn, you're on with John Burnett and Rich Valdez. Welcome. Hi. I was wondering, is some of this stuff on Trump double jeopardy? Meaning like the multiple indictments? Yeah, that could, they've, he's seen this indictment stuff before. You right. know, the girl I mean, it, with the money. It's starting right. to feel that way, but, but when you look at uh, the underlying uh, charges, many of them I disagree with, and I think they'll ultimately fall, you know, you fall flat. Uh, I think there are different categories. Uh, one is classified documents, as you know. The other one... Uh, is the hush money payments. I don't even know what Alvin Bragg was thinking about, uh, but his ship is going to start sinking very fast. Uh, and I think with regard to uh, the classified documentation, when you look at President Biden and others, I think it's going to fall flat. So, um, and, it's, and it's not just my, my overconfidence 
and President Trump. I'm not a lawyer. I'm a businessman. But I don't see a path forward uh, to reach a, a, a verdict of guilty. I mean, it's just ridiculous. I think the whole world understands this. Thank you, Carolyn. I appreciate your thoughts on that, John Burnett. And ultimately, I want to get your take on if you think it's Trump v. Biden in, in the long run, um, who wins? Because the new poll that's out from Monmouth University says that even if Manchin throws his hat in the ring, Biden still beats Trump. And I, I want, uh, if it's a Trump v. Biden matchup, I want the Republican to win. I want Trump to beat Biden. Uh, I just feel badly that inflation has come down a little bit every month. I feel great about it. But because it has, I feel like people have uh, a lot of people have short memories and we might just end up getting ourselves more of the same with a Biden reelection. Well, we, we can't we can't get caught up in last month month news regarding inflation. Mm. Why is that? We have to look. At, we have to look and pay attention to the current news and forecast the current news forward, not just look backward. The reason why I say that, one, energy prices. The more turmoil that happens um, in, 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 with, with Russia as well as Middle East, that is going to bring jitters in, into the market. Uh, and, and if oil prices continue to you know, go higher, possibly $80, $85, possibly $90 a barrel, that is going to feed into further draining the working class pockets and pocketbooks. And, and then as well as businesses, right? Because energy costs is a drain on operating uh, profits. So, mm-hmm. so, so uh, I should say revenues. So, so the thing is, when you look at that, when you look at, additional wage increases, uh, when you also look at the fact that, that Russia is now attacking Ukraine export of grain. Five, they, on average, they, they, uh, Ukraine exports 5 million metric tons of grain, about 25, 30% of the global wheat supply. If that is impacted along with 25% of the global fertilizer for all crops, we could see food shortages, and food shortages lead to not only starvation, but higher prices for whatever goods are coming to the market. So we're not out of the woods yet. And I think that is going to be another factor uh, in terms of this election. When, when inflation starts spiking higher, when, when, there, when there's global unrest that continues, they're going to see, wait a second, again, what, what vision does Biden have? Because he's not doing the job now. And we have an open border that's putting more pressure. As you can see, even New York is caving mm-hmm. under the pressure. What do we do? So obviously, we had all of these things under control under Trump. So it's very clear. People need to hold. If you don't like Trump, you need to hold your nose, fill in that bubble for Trump, and let's get things back in order. Now, Joe Biden has been pretty vocal. Can you stick with us for a couple of minutes more, John Burnett? Sure. All right. Let me uh, 
take a quick pause right here, give out the phone number again. Uh, folks, we're going to continue with your calls and more straight ahead with John Burnett, a, a executive vice chair of the New York State Republican Party. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. We have to do more. Inflation has slowed every single month in the last 12, uh, on a yearly basis for the last 12 months. How many times you read that a recession is coming? Even Wall Street today said, no, they don't see a recession coming now. It's the lowest point inflation, the lowest point in over two years. U.S. has the lowest inflation rate of any major economy in the world, the so-called G7. It's less than two-thirds of what it was a year ago, down from 9% to 3% and going to go down lower. At the same time, pay for low-wage workers has gone up at a faster pace in over two decades. Wages are growing faster than inflation. That means a lot of working folks are beginning to be able to have a little, that's a little bit of breathing room. All right, that's Joe Biden, Philadelphia yesterday. Joe El Baboso Biden, as I like to call him, and John Burnett, A, I want your reaction, and B, do you think that's even true, that wages are growing faster than inflation? If that was a multiple-choice question, the answer would be E, none of the above. (laughs) (laughs) There's, There's nothing good. Why? Just ask the American people. I don't care if you're white, Asian, black, Hispanic, or mixed, or don't even know what you are or who you are. You're not doing well in this, in this economy. Why? Because inflation has been high. Even though it came down recently, and it might continue to spike up based upon what we talked about in the last segment, but let's say 3% is still higher than the Fed's target rate. And when you look at the past couple of years, that has compounded to the point where Americans have used a lot of their revolving credit on their credit cards mm-hmm. to close the family budgets. And, and while people say, hey, sometimes you have to do that, they've been doing it for an extended period of time at the same time that the Federal Reserve has increased interest rates. While some people, if you have a few dollars to put in right. a savings account, You've got you received more interest, but most of Americans who are who were struggling, you know, during uh, COVID and even after COVID, when they thought that they can exhale, they still had to hold their breath. Why? Because under Biden, we've experienced rapid inflation that is still compounding month to month for the last yep. couple of years. So multiple choice is the answer. Our guest, John Burnett, I want to thank you for being with us. John, let everybody know your your website, your handle very quickly. All my social media is I am John Burnett. I-A-M-J-O-H-N-B-U-R-N-E-T-T. All right, John Burnett, thanks for being with us. I appreciate it. Folks, there's more to come straight ahead. Keep it locked right here. Hour number two coming straight at you. I'm Rich Valdez.
from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program, featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media, your liberty-loving Latino amigo, and I'm happy to be here with you this Friday evening. Our phone number, if you want to join our late-night national town hall conversation, feel free to do it, 833-482-5337, 833-4VALDEZ. And uh, today, it's a solemn day. We mourn the loss uh, and celebrate the life of Tony Bennett, uh, his career spanned eight decades, and uh, we were able to catch up with a friend of the program, another living legend in his own right, Tony Orlando, uh, who'd, who'd known Bennett and performed alongside him in, in many ways in Vegas when they uh, both worked uh, the different rooms in Vegas. And if you missed any part of that in uh, interview, make sure you check it out at richvaldezamericatnight.com. You can check it out after the program, catch the replay. You can subscribe to the podcast as well so you never miss a show that uh, you want to hear. And I also want to just take a moment to remind you that the podcast version of this live radio show has been nominated for a podcast award, the People's Choice Podcast Award. And of course, if you want to vote uh, or submit your email to be registered and verified to vote when voting time comes, you could submit a nomination by typing my name in, Rich Valdez, and then selecting this program, Rich Valdez America at Night, on the um, drop-down list at the following website, podcastawards.com, podcastawards.com. Just uh, feel free to check it out and... um, vote for the program if you'd like to submit your vote. Anyway, that's that. Now, I also want to get into some of the other news uh, that's going on today. Of course, uh, there's more rumors that President Donald Trump, uh, the 45th president of the United States, will be indicted this time on seditious conspiracy. Uh, Let's see if those charges stick. That hasn't happened as of yet, but we will keep our eyes peeled on that. And of course, busy week on Capitol Hill with multiple... uh, whistleblowers, and even RFK Jr. testifying uh, with uh, respect to different uh, committee hearings. So we've had some discussion on that this week. We'll be revisiting that as well. I also want to talk about the um, the trial date that they, they've set now for the Trump classified documents case, uh, which is now going to be months before the election. So you figure a two-month trial that they're going to do Two months before Election Day. Does that sound like they're interfering with an election and trying to tank a certain person's candidacy? Sounds like that to me. We'll get to that a little bit later at the top of the hour. Uh, Right now, I want to talk about uh, a story from the Afghanistan conflict. Now, there was a uh, special forces operator had a Humvee roll over on a roadside improvised explosive device, an IED on the roadside. And, of course, this was in Afghanistan. And as this happened to this particular special forces operator, he had one thought as he lost consciousness. 
What's that? I'll tell you. He said, I have to keep the promise I made to my dad. That operator was DT, also known as Israel Del Toro Jr. And he was orphaned at the age of 14. And on the night before his father died, he repeated the promise his dad had required of him. Take care of your brothers and sisters. It's my pleasure to welcome the author of A Patriot's Promise, protecting my brothers, fighting for my life, and keeping my word. Israel Del Toro, retired Air Force Special Forces operator and paratrooper. Israel Del Toro, welcome to the program. Uh, thank you, Rich. Thanks for having me on. You bet. It's my pleasure. And I tell you, I, you know, I'm always moved by a story like this because I was orphaned, not at uh, your age. I mean, it happened to me at 39 when uh, my dad died and my mom had died some years before that. Uh, but I think, man, imagine growing up, uh, you know, through your teenage years and into your young adulthood without your parents. And I couldn't imagine doing it, but it's something you had to do. And on top of that, it seems like you had to take care of some siblings. And of course, you had to go to war. So uh, thanks for your service for that. Uh, you're a patriot. Uh, tell us about why you decided to write this book. Uh, I, honestly, Rich, you know, uh, for years, people had asked me to write a book about my story because I, I had... You know, once I got hurt, uh, they asked me if I would go speak, you know, tell my story. And I didn't think I had a story. Uh, but, you know, the lead, the the chief of staff of the Air Force at the time, General Rose, was like, DT. I was like, you're not supposed to be here. You're not supposed to be walking. You're supposed to be on a respirator. And two months after that, you left that house for walking on Brianna. That's not a story. I don't know what that is. Right. And he wanted me to use it to help other service members. And... So I just, uh, you know, when people were asking me, you need to start doing this, you know, I think it was like 2009 when really people were really on me about it. And my response, like, I have so many adventures to do. Why am I going to write a book? Uh, and, you know, because I always thought only old people wrote books. I don't right, know if that's right. saying that I'm, <laughs> I, I'm an old person now because I wrote a book. But right. I, always, I used to also tell, like, I don't even like reading, guys. And you want me to write a book? But honestly, really... Where I really sat down, I was like, okay, I need to do this. Because people always used to say, DT, you, you inspire me. You're a hero. And for me, that was awkward. I didn't see myself like that. It's like, I'm just a guy who had a bad day at work. You know, I still like to just hang out, do things like normal people do. Yeah, it takes me a little longer, but, you know, I'm still a normal guy. You know, I didn't think to myself I'm anyone special until one day I was at uh, McGuire there at New Jersey at the air base. Yeah. And I was talking to the whole base. And usually after my, my speech, I open open up for questions. And sometimes people ask. Sometimes people wait till at the end when I'm shaking hands, taking photos, they'll ask a question. Or, or they'll ask uh, through social media, they'll ask me a question. But this day, this young lady, she was an A1C, so she probably was about two years in, stands up in front of everybody, like all her leadership's there. It's like Sandal Toro. I've tried it in my life many times, but I hear how you never gave up, how you kept going, how you had that spark. Because I like to say we all have a spark that drives us. Uh, thank you for helping me find my spark, and I see the joy in living again. That's when it really hit me. That's when I was like, oh, my God, people see me in this light. And, you know, and, and it really came down to that promise to my dad. Mm -hmm. You know, yes, that... That promise first involved my brothers, sisters, and my mom, but it has evolved now to anyone that needs that help 
to get over those dark times, to kind of help them find that spark. Because again, I like to say, you can, sometimes you can find it on your own, but sometimes you need to hear a story that helps you find your spark. And, and you know, so that's why I really wrote it for that. Because I'm a, I, I'm a realist. Mm-hmm. I know I'm not going to touch everyone out there. I get it. But those one or two, like like that young young airman, that really need to hear it and help help them find that spark, help them find that joy in life again. I like to say it's worth all that pain, all that suffering I went through all throughout my life. And at the same time, I'm honoring my dad by keeping his, the promise I made to him. Amen to that. Israel del Toro, I want to get into that in depth because, of course, I read a sentence or two about your story, but I'd really like to get it from your perspective, exactly what happened when uh, you you hit that roadside bomb. So I want to do that straight ahead. Folks, we're on with Israel del Toro. He's a retired Air Force Special Forces paratrooper. And um, the book that he's written, A Patriot's Promise, protecting my brothers, fighting for my life, and keeping my word. We're going to hear his harrowing story from Afghanistan when we return. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Rich Valdez, who again will do a fine job, but I know you'll enjoy listening to him. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Uh, We're on with Israel Del Toro, retired Air Force Special Operations paratrooper. He's the author of the book, A Patriot's Promise, Protecting My Brothers, Fighting for My Life, and Keeping My Word. Israel Del Toro, or DT as he's known, went through a harrowing story in Afghanistan. This is a tremendous experience, and I want you to tell us all about it. DT. Yes, Rich. Uh, So the day I got hurt, which was December 4, 2005, I was on a mission uh, with my, my scout team. Uh, and we're coming back from the mission. Uh, and as we're coming back, uh, we cross this Creek and no more than 200 meters after we cross this Creek till I see an intense heat blast on my left side. And I'm like, Holy crap, we just got hit. Wow. Uh, and, and, and I get out of the truck. Uh, but when I got out of the truck, I was from, I'm fired from head to toe. But I knew there was that creek behind me. Hold on, so you, you got out of the truck because you knew you were hit and you were on fire already. I was already on fire, yes, sir. Wow. Uh, so I turned to try and run to the creek to extinguish the flames, but the flames overtook me and, and I collapsed. And I'm laying there like this is it, you know. So you you're know, burning I, alive and thinking this is it. It's over. Yeah, you know, I'm thinking. You know, I broke my promise to my family to always come back. I broke my promise to my son that I'll never let him grow up without his dad like I did. But most importantly, I want to break my promise to my dad that I always take care of my family. But then that's when my teammate helps me out and says, DT, you're not going to die here. And we both jumped into the creek. And the sound I heard was the same sound you hear when you put a hot pan in cold water, that sizzle sound. But instead of a pan, it was my body. Wow. And, but it was a planned ambush because these guys know who 
are the guys that call in the airstrikes. So that was my job. I, I call in, I'm, I'm, my job's called a TACP, Tactical Air Control Party. We call in the airstrikes. So as soon as they hit me, the, the rest of the guys that we're picking up, they get hit in a crossfire, and now they're calling back for that they need help. They need CAS, meaning close air support. I was like, where's Gunslinger, which was on a call sign. We need help. Now, remember, my medic wanted to take care of me. I was like, no, 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 I'm okay, I'm okay. He's like, I looked at myself, like, okay, yeah, my leg hurts. Yeah, you know, I got all my body parts. But I said, take care of our gunner because he got blown out and the Humvee had rolled back on his legs. Wow. And besides, I had, to, I had to take care of my teammates. Yes, I'm Air Force. They're Army. But we're downrange. We're all brothers and sisters. So, again, I had to honor my dad, take care of my brothers and sisters. And they're my family. So, luckily, one of the other guys had a radio because all my stuff was destroyed. And I was like, hey, man, get on this frequency. Repeat everything I say so we can get some help in here. And by the time the last transmission went out, you can say the adrenaline kind of went down because I started getting scared. Like, I'll never be a, the guy that st- will stand up here and, and say, man, I never was scared. I had nerves of steel. I was like Rambo. Yeah, and, and the beginning, I did feel like, like nothing was hurting me. But then the adrenaline went down. I started getting scared. I was asking, where's the medevac? Because I was getting tired and I was having a hard time breathing. Mm-hmm. And I remember telling the medic, hey, man, let me just lay down. Let me close my eyes for a second. But he knew if he let me fall asleep, most likely I'm not going to wake up again. Wow. So he used my son to keep me awake, kept me fine. He found my spark. Because like, like I said earlier, we all have one, which is also ironic. Here's a burn guy saying we all have a spark. But, you know, <laughs> we do. You know, sometimes we can find it on our own. Sometimes we need motivation and someone to help you find it. And, and my medic knew my son was my, 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 my spark. He knew I never wanted to let him grow up without his dad like I did. So come on, DT, fight for your boy. They kept me saying it until the medevac came. And I remember they wanted to carry me into, back, into the helicopter. And I was like, oh, hell no. I walked into this fight. I'm going to walk out. And I, I walked to the helicopter. I remember the flight. Uh, landing in our uh, forward operating base, going into our, our field hospital, uh, seeing the doctor cut off my watch and telling me I'm going to be okay. And that was December 4th, 05. I wake up March of 06. Wow. Now, how severe were the burns to your skin? So when I, when I got, when I finally woke up from my phone month coma, they started telling me what had happened. It's like, sorry, tutorial, 80% of your body has 30-degree burns. Wow. We gave you a 15% chance to live, and you almost died in us three times. And it's funny because then they start going into what your life's going to be. They're like, all right, you're going to be here for another year and a half. You may not walk again and rest for the rest of your life, and your military career is pretty much over. And, you know, they wait for you what you're going to say. And I pretty much told them you can kiss my butt, but in more colorful words. Because <laughs> <laughs> I never accepted... I wouldn't want to accept that either. After you burn me to death and I don't die, I'm not going <laughs> to listen to you. Come on. Right. And, and so, you know, for me, it's like, I'm not going to let this injury, this, this really define me. I'm going to define who I am. I'm going to have this uh, disability, use it for good and help other people. And, and that's what I try to do. 
Unbelievable. What a story. So now where do you go from there? So you've got 80% of your body's burned with third degree burns. Uh, sounds pretty severe to me. You're talking to a guy, you know, I touch a hot pan and I'm out of the, you know, I'm out for the count for a good half hour. So, you know, I mean, really Godspeed to you. I take my hat off to you. Thank you for your service. You're a patriot. You're a hero. El hombre de los hombres. I mean, you're for, you're for real, but how do you, how, what, where do you go? Is it therapy? How do you um, get past all that? So, you know, it, most people don't realize uh, it ain't the burns that kill you. It's the infection. Mm. So, and then we, when, then when you're severely burned, your skin becomes hypersensitive. So you got to go through therapy to desensitize your skin. Like in the beginning, you could have rubbed a feather across my hand and it felt like you were cutting me with razor blades. Oh but I had God. to go every day, rub my, my, my hands, you know, my, my body against different textures to desensitize it. And then you got to get your body stretched because uh, all your limbs contract. So you get that range of motion. Uh, so you go through some of the intense, most intense pain a human can possibly go through when, you, when you're so really burned. Uh, and again, you know, people see me now and they think it's like, oh my God, you, you know, it's not that bad. But, it, but it's like the face that people see me now, it's not the face that I had when I first got, you know, out of the hospital. I had no upper lip. I had no nose. My, my face and my body has gone through 150 plus procedures. Wow. So, so it's a long recovery, but the goal is, you know, you have family there, you have friends there. Again, because I'll never be a guy that says, I did it on my own. No, I never did. I had help. Because, yes, who, you're, you're going to go through dark times. You know, I went from a 200-pound muscle head to 115 pounds, tiny, frail, scared. I, I, I almost looked like a radio host. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that from a tough guy like you. <laughs> but, Unbelievable. But you can't dwell in it. But I had my friends and my family there to help me get out when I felt sorry and started to spiral down that rabbit hole. Let me remind everybody who we're on with, folks. We're on with uh, Senior Master Sergeant Israel Del Toro, United States Air Force, retired. He was a special operations paratrooper, got caught in a IED in Afghanistan, was burned all over his body. You've probably seen him on the news and on television, and he's sharing his story with us. Remarkable story. Sergeant Del Toro, I want to thank you for being with us tonight. I could do this with you all night, but it's time for me to say goodbye. Let everybody know how they could find out more about you. Yes, sir. Uh, you can, uh, you know, obviously my book came out July 4th called A Patriot's Promise. You can buy it anywhere where books are sold uh, online. Or you can you find me on social media or on my website, deltorostrong.com. Excellent. Thank you, brother. We'll be right back. And live on the air, it's Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. And, you know, a lot of people find themselves in the summertime losing their cool, right? Because you, you kind of you, you blow your stack, whether it's traffic, it's this, it's that. Ultimately, it's heat, right? The, the, warm, the warmer weather, I shouldn't even say warm, say hot, right? A hot, humid day can affect your mood and even your mental health. And uh, there's a piece in Fox News that says that these summer meltdowns 
um, can have a significant impact on your mood and your behavior. And I wanted to get to the bottom of that. And that's why we've invited Dr. Brandon Brock to join us. He's a clinician with Carpathia Collective. Dr. Brock, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. You bet. So let's talk about this because, uh, I mean, it seems almost commonsensical that people, uh, you know, are, are hot and bothered and, you know, things might be, uh, things that aren't that big of a deal might seem like that more, much more of a deal because of the heat and whatnot. But what type of effect can, you know, the rising temperatures and the extreme heat actually have on your mood and mental health? Yeah, these are great questions. We noticed this. I mean, down where I'm at in Texas, it's just extremely hot right now. The first thing is it's just, you know, it's it's a bit agitating. It's uncomfortable for some people, especially when you're not used to it. But what we're finding now is it can literally really alter some of the the transmitters, the, the little chemicals in your brain that, that make you happy or sad. It can actually start to alter those, which can alter your your kind of overall perception of of the world around you. So it it changes mood. You know, uh, this is separate, but it's just interesting because you mentioned it's hot, and I know Texas has been in the news for heat wave. But last year, maybe around this time, maybe not, I, I went to Dallas for a conference, and it was right as a heat wave had subsided, and I remember, and it was winter, so I remember landing, and the the pilot says. <laughs> Right. The pilot says uh, we're landing in Dallas and it's a cool 85 degrees. I thought 85 degrees isn't cool. But again, given the 105 that they were experiencing for days on end, 85 was pretty cool. And I didn't find people to be more like stressed out or rude or short tempered. Uh, And it makes sense to me when I'm hot and bothered, I'm hot and bothered. But are some of these effects that um, this article in Fox News and, and other uh, studies like the one from Boston University are these um, are, are are there long term effects to one's health? Well, there can be, and you know, you you brought up an interesting point. And you know, our brains develop the ability to 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 have resilience. So, if you live in a certain geographic area and you're used to that, your brain kind of becomes set to that, and it it wires itself around that. So you can tolerate it. You can tolerate the way your fluids work in your body, the way your transmitters work, all this can kind of be, can give you the resilience. But if you're not used to it and you go somewhere where it's not conducive to where your body was, then all of a sudden you can start having some, some real problems. And, uh, you know, this is what we're seeing now when the temperature changes dramatically in an area and people aren't used to it. That's when you start seeing some of the behavior changes. I think people in Dallas to kind of get to your point, and which is where I live, actually. Oh, cool. People nice. in Dallas, great town. they're kind of, yes, it's a great place, but it's hot. And, you know, but we're kind of used to this season. It doesn't mean that we all like it. And believe me, when you're around here, you do see a little bit of crankiness, but we're, we're, we're kind of used to it. Now, if you took somebody maybe from an area where it, it never gets like this, well, listen, really I'm from New York. If you give me 105 degrees in New York, people are fighting. Well, I've been to New York when it was like 90 and, and, and people, you know, were having a really difficult time and it, it's just <laughs> because they're, they're not used to that. I, I, I totally, no Southern hospitality in New York city. That's for sure. Well, uh, and, and the other thing I would say is this, the main neurotransmitter that's really impacted in this situation is one called serotonin. 
and another one called GABA. Serotonin makes you happy, and GABA will slow down anxiety and agitation. And, and all of these neurotransmitters are impacted. It's really difficult to determine exactly which one is affected the most. But when serotonin is impacted, it, it, it can slow down your brain's ability to think. It can make it to where you're not as happy. When the GABA slows down, you can become more anxious, have more anxiety. And what's really interesting is thermal regulation requires that all of these neurotransmitters shift to compensate for the heat. So now if you take people who have mental illness like bipolarism or schizophrenia and they're on medications and it's regulating those neurotransmitters, there's actually a situation where those medications will allow those transmitters not to adapt appropriately to heat. So some of these individuals that have mental illness and are on medications, they may be more prone to these dramatic changes. Oh, as a result of the medication. Yep. And so, you know, you stabilize those and you make it to where they can't shift as easily. That can sometimes become a bit of a problem according to some of the, you know, the newer research. It's really kind of started around, you know, 2018. Lots of papers started coming out in the environmental research journals, you know, they started talking and looking at this because they were noticing as they went back and looked at hospital records over thousands and thousands of patients, they noticed that people came in with more mental illness related issues during certain seasons. Now, how do um, suicide rates or crime and violence, how does that fit in to temperature spikes and the increase in anxiety and depression? Yeah. So when you, whenever you have like, some of these neurotransmitters are, are, you know, your filters, they're the things that gate your behavior. They, they, they give you sort of a level head, I guess you could say. So if you have an increase of rage or anger, or if you become disoriented, or if you don't perceive your environment very well, or if you can't tolerate your own problems that you're going through, there's a greater probability of crime, of violence, and that violence could be to someone else or even to your own self, depending on what kind of situation you're going through. So whenever we make emotional volatility, yourself or others around you, especially if you have underlying situations or conditions or if you're really exhausted from the heat, things can get really volatile and people can get injured. Interesting stuff. Folks, we're on with Dr. Brandon Brock, clinician with Carpathia Collective. Uh, Doc, let everybody know how they can um, learn more about the work that you're doing and how they could keep in touch with you. Well, we're down in Dallas. Um, it's just carpathiacollaborative.com. And, you know, we deal a lot with environmental illness. So this is something that we, you know, see quite a bit. And of course, we're in Dallas, so we have patients that come in every day in this weather. And we have a lot of different types of practitioners that we look at stuff like this all the time whether it be mental illness and health or environmental illness and health and temperature, uh, go into the website and then just checking us out. And if you have a condition, come on in. If you're having a heat stroke or heat exhaustion, go to the hospital or call 911. But, you know, I would say some, some takeaway things is, you know, make sure that you're not out exercising in the, in the middle of the day, even in places where it's not 105 degrees. If you're not used to that weather, don't exercise in it please remember to take care of your skin because there's also skin cancer and skin damage that people can get. And if you do get heat exhaustion or heat stroke, be careful 
at how much fluid you drink, because if you over drink water, you can dilute the amount of sodium that you have, which can further make you more incoherent. Mm. So sip fluid, sip water, but get somewhere that's nice and cold, even if that's like with a water hose, if whatever's close around, get somewhere where there's wet towels or apply something cold, especially to the forehead, even if you have to remove some clothing. But if you are an individual, and this is really important, if you're sweating, that's good. But if you stop sweating and get dry skin and you're really getting red and your consciousness is starting to kind of slip in and out, you have to get somebody to the hospital very quickly because they could, you know, that, that could be life threatening. So if people can realize that and know how to help themselves and help each other, then, you know, we're doing, we're doing all of ourselves a favor. Outstanding. Well, Dr. Brandon Brock, I want to thank you for being here. Folks, check them out. Check out the website. And uh, we appreciate you being here, sir. Thank you so much. Have a good evening, sir. You bet. Take care. Folks, more to come straight ahead. uh, Your calls and more on all of the topics we've discussed tonight. Plus, at the top of the hour, we've got Open Phone America. The phone number, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Welcome back, America. And um, you've heard it by now. And if you haven't, you're going to get to hear the musical stylings of a, of a wonderfully quaffed uh, raconteur. Me, right? I made this little song, right? I sang along. It was like karaoke, if you will, uh, for Vice President Kamala Harris, who I've nicknamed Kemalaitis, Vice President Kemalaitis, which in Spanish means how bad she is. And made a little song about her, and we've got the clip of that. Uh, and the only thing that was missing was some maracas. Listen to this. So Kamala Harris, uh, she was at the Delta Sigma Theta Sorority, their national convention in Indiana yesterday. And um, she says that it is a right to fight for every person to live free from discrimination. Now, again, on its face, this is a, a wonderful statement, right? I mean, who who should live with discrimination? I don't think, I think the only thing we should discriminate against is, you know, people that are criminals, right? People that want to harm our, our families, people that want to do the wrong thing. We should discriminate from them and we should separate them from society by way of jail after a fair trial. 
so I think I, I agree with her on that statement. But I feel like she goes a little bit off the deep end in making it. Listen to this. Let us continue to stand together and fight for what is right. Because we do know it is right to fight for the freedom of every woman to control her own body, not her government. It is right to fight for a future in which every person can live free from discrimination and hate. It is right to fight for safe communities. It is right to fight for paid leave and clean water and affordable childcare. It is right to fight to pass the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act and the Freedom to Vote Act. It is right to fight against book bans and the truth. Oh, boy. Now, she's on a roll. She's talking. She started off with saying that it's a woman's right to control her body, not the government's. And listen, I believe in that statement. I, I also am pro-life. I don't think the government is controlling anybody's body. It just happens to be that women, when you can actually identify one, are able to carry a child. But that child has rights. And one of those rights are a right to life, these inalienable rights, right? Life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. So this is an age-old debate that we're not going to resolve here today. But it's fascinating to me to see how she goes from that to the John Lewis Voting Rights Act and book banning, right? And, and you know, I find it interesting how they say Ron DeSantis is banning books. He's not banning books. He's banning bad ideas. And if those bad ideas are in these books, then that's fine. And again, at certain grade levels, nobody's banning those books in college. But you should be fair. One should be fair. We should all be fair when it comes to presenting ideas. You know, this is why on this program, we're going to get to more Kemalitis in a moment, but I always will play what the people I disagree with say, even if they won't come on this program with me. And I invite them. Trust me. We try to get them on. But I invite them, and I invite callers that dissent, and they come to the front of the line. But I'll play you a clip of Joe Biden. I'll play you a clip of Kemalitis so that you can hear exactly what they have to say, and then I'll give you my take on it. When was the last time you, um, you heard Joe Biden really giving Republicans any opportunity to voice their opinion? How about yesterday in that JFK hearing, uh, the censorship hearing, where they tried to not even let him testify on Capitol Hill? He couldn't even go to answer questions when he was given a subpoena. Now, he did answer those questions, but they had to take a vote. They tried to get rid of him. Then they tried to allow his testimony only in executive session where nobody would hear it. And thankfully, there were enough members of Congress that were able uh, present to vote so that his testimony would remain public, so that the people could hear what he had to say when he was being asked questions by the representatives of the people. I mean, it's such a simple concept, but so convoluted when it comes to the Democrats. It seems like they just absolutely won't accept it. So Kamala Harris now goes from talking about abortion to talking about voting rights to jumping right into how we are extremists and we are banning books. Listen to this. Extremists pass book bans to prevent them from learning our true history. Book bans in this year of our Lord 2023. And while they do this, check it out. They push forward revisionist history. Just yesterday in the state of Florida, they decided middle school students will be taught that enslaved people benefited from slavery. 
They insult us in an attempt to gaslight us, and we will not stand for it. We who share a collective experience in knowing we must honor history and our duty in the context of legacy. There is so much at stake in this moment. Our most basic rights and freedoms, fact versus fiction, foundational principles about what it means to be a democracy. What it means to be a democracy. Well, I want to get your thoughts on this and more. I've got a few things I want to say about this. Uh, don't go anywhere. We're coming right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now. 833 833- for Valdez. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4 Valdez. That's Valdez with an S. So Kamala Harris says that we are now promoting ideas by we, she says, uh, extremist MAGA Republicans are promoting the idea that slaves benefited from slavery. Now, I don't know how out of context she's taking that, but there isn't a planet that exists where slaves benefited from slavery. To be clear, I've never heard this. Uh, I've been part of the conservative movement since I've been old enough to vote. And I've never, ever heard of slaves benefiting. Now, I have heard that there were Africans that were selling their own people as slaves. And if that's what she means by benefiting you know, profiting perhaps, uh, but they weren't slaves. They were free men selling their brethren. So I don't know exactly what she's talking about, but the whole thing is skewed. Now let's quickly, 30 seconds, let's go to James in Toledo, Ohio. Go right ahead. Hi, hi, uh, Mr. Valdez. Uh, my name's James Dean, and um, I train, I'm blind, visually impaired, I train uh, service dogs for veterans. Uh, wow. I've been doing it for, yeah, I've been doing it for 14 years now. I've, I, it's my hobby. Um, um, I uh, train them and donate them. I breed James, own, hang so. on. We'll come right back to you after the break. You really only had 30 seconds and you spent 25 telling us a little about what you do. So we'll get back to you as soon as uh, the break. It's going to be a few minutes. Folks, don't go anywhere. Open Phone America starts right after this. We're going to kick it off with James in Toledo right after the headlines at the top of the hour. Looking forward to hearing more about his work on that. I am Rich Valdez. It's America at Night, and we're coming right back. Don't go anywhere. From the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night 
with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late-night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media, your liberty-loving Latino amigo, and I'm happy to be here with you this Friday evening, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. If you want to join us in our late-night national town hall conversation, feel free. This is your opportunity to be heard. Of course, uh, the third and uh, final hour of this program is um, always dedicated to a tradition on this program, Open Phone America, coined by the late, great Larry King back in 1978, maintained for three decades by Jim Bohannon. And of course, uh, who would I be to, to stop such a great uh, tradition on this program? So happy to be a part of it and happy to chat with you. Now, uh, just a couple of things. Um, Tony Bennett, legendary superstar performer, uh, passed away today, dead at the, it doesn't give me the age actually right here. Uh, but it tells me after eight decades in show business. So RIP to um, Tony Bennett, 96 years old. There it is. And uh, we had uh, Tony Orlando on earlier to um, share some of his thoughts on his uh, beloved late great colleague. And if you missed that interview with um, the awesome Tony Orlando, you can always check it out uh, right after we wrap tonight, just shortly after 1 a.m. Eastern give our uh, excellent uh, production team a chance to get it all uploaded uploaded and labeled and you'll have that available at richvaldezamericaatnight.com if you want to hear the entire show again you can feel free i recommend it you can also subscribe to the podcast there and speaking of podcast, the podcast of this radio show, Rich Valdez, America at Night, has been nominated for a People's Choice Podcast Award. So I'm grateful about that. And I would encourage everybody listening to use your email address at podcastawards.com. Click on the little blue box where it says uh, nominations and casting of votes. You, that little blue box, once you click on it, You'll be able to enter your email, register your email so that you can actually be a verified voter. They'll send you an email where you uh, click a link to verify your email. And once they know that you're a real person, you can go ahead and vote. The way you would do that is you'd go to the category that we're nominated in, which is government and organizations because of the coverage of government and organizations that we've provided on this program. That's why we were nominated and you can go ahead and select Rich Valdez, America at Night, and then you hit Save. Uh, there's also a section where it says the uh, radio person or a podcaster that has influenced you most in 2022 or 2023. Uh, feel free to uh, cast that vote for whomever. I would recommend voting for me, but of course, it's a free country, and I want you to vote your conscience. And um, looking forward to seeing what type of progress we can make once you let your voice be heard on the People's Choice Podcast Awards. And again, the website for that, uh, uh, podcastawards.com, podcastawards with an S.com. I appreciate the support and the votes. Now, a couple of things in addition to that. We've talked about a, a few different things uh, this evening. We had some really good conversation about how the heat makes uh, people not only a little bit more 
uh, agitated and short-tempered, but it could actually be very detrimental to your health. Now, I know you're thinking, Rich, it's not the first summer we've been through. What's going on here? Uh, granted, it's not, but now we know that this stuff can have an effect on your mental health, not just heat stroke, heat exhaustion, and cranky pants, right? There can actually be some effects on that. So we talked about that a little while ago. It was pretty interesting. Um, I, I love the heat, honestly, and uh, I was a little bit scared. Now, somebody who didn't love the heat but really beat the heat, Master Sergeant Israel Del Toro, uh, retired Air Force Special Operations paratrooper, was burned on 80% of his body, and he shared that story with us. I mean, I could have spent another hour with that guy having this conversation. What an inspiration he was. I highly recommend that if you did not hear the interview with um, uh, Master Sergeant Del Toro, DT is what he goes by, uh, that you definitely go to Rich Valdez America at night after the show tonight and definitely listen to that. I think um, you'll appreciate it. He talked about having a certain spark. Not only was he funny, but he made a lot of sense. Very, very moving uh, conversation that we had with him. And we really uh, broke it down with my buddy John Burnett. Very good conversation on the um, Democrat primary, the Republican primary, and the future of the 2024 election from his perspective. And uh, it was a great conversation. Now, speaking of some of those conversations, I'd started a conversation at the end of the last hour uh, where we were talking about Sergeant Del Toro and the spark that he had that he uh, often spoke of in his talk. And uh, we got a call from James in Toledo, Ohio. I started with James, who was telling us how he uh, wanted to make a comment, of course, but also worked in the training of service animals for uh, veterans. And I thought that was a very, very good topic uh, because I, I didn't know anything about it. So uh, let's go back to James in Toledo, Ohio. It's listening on com. Go right ahead, James. Uh, thank you, Mr. Valdez. Um, yeah, so uh, I'm blind, visually impaired, and uh, I've had a seeing eye dog for 14 years. I call him Master Sergeant Makauli, which is Hawaiian for black eye. And um, I, uh, I, uh, I trained dogs for veterans uh, in the last 14 years. I've trained, personally raised, trained, and donated over 100 dogs myself wow. and assisted several hundred more. Um, and it's a trying occupation at times. I'm a one man band. I finance this little gig through my social security income. And I do this out of my home. Uh, and it can be, uh, sometimes trying, uh, and, and I needed to hear that spark from master sergeant this evening, just to remind me, uh, of what some of those men did over there and what some of them went through over there. Uh, I, so I appreciate that. And, and, uh, 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 one more comment. I live cause I'm blind. I listen to talk radio all day long from Bob and Tom to, uh, to you in the evening. I'm very auditory instead of visual. The difference with your show that I'm really uh, growing to enjoy is when when you're on the air, I feel like I'm sitting across the table from you as I puff on a cigar and have a, a late night espresso. I feel like you're in my home, Rich, if I call oh. you Rich. Sure, please do. Well, thank you for that. I mean, that that really is such a compliment. 
Uh, I can tell you that that is the goal. <laughs> I oftentimes try, even I start the show saying that, pull up a chair, get comfortable, and join the conversation, because I really, I kind of see it the same way, to be very frank with you. You know, um, it, it, it always amazes me, uh, the, the magic of radio, not to sound cheesy or corny in any way, but, you know, I, I'm in a room that has soundproofing on the walls, and I'm talking into a microphone with equipment in front of me. But in my mind's eye, because radio is all about theater of the mind, I feel like I'm at a very large kitchen table, if you will, with all of America. Right? We're talking about Alaska, Hawaii, you name it, whatever state, everybody's at the table. And it's like a real dinner where, you know, you've got family members there that some of them will just stare at you and not say anything. And that's fine. Then you have some that are extra vocal and you're like, all right, let, don't even look at them. Don't make eye contact. You might say something. right? And then you have others that chime in right at the perfect time and have great things to say. And, and it, it is a fantastic um, uh, I'm glad you said it that way, because that's how I feel every single day. I really uh, I appreciate the opportunity to join so many people in their homes and I, I really love the roundtable discussion that I feel like I'm having with so many Americans. So, uh, James in Toledo, Ohio, I really appreciate that. Can Can I say one more thing, uh, sir? Be my guest. Uh, I, what uh, you know? I find uh, uh, the the loss of my vision is in a way a blessing. I, I once was blind, now I see. And I would hmm. suggest to some of your to some of your listeners that what they should do is put a blindfold on and listen to the radio. Cut out that visual distraction. Cut out that visual circuitry and listen with your ears. And you're in a whole new world is going to open up for you as it has for me. Um, so I, I don't know if that makes sense or not. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, but again, uh, I really needed really needed to hear that tonight from from master sergeant i have i have uh nine dogs five adult dogs in training i've been training for over a year i have wow. 13 puppies i specialize in ptsd dogs for veterans first responders and i also am an expert with the autism assistance dogs and uh, i provide all this for free um i i you know i assist others in the, their training it's that is amazing work that you're doing, James. I really appreciate it. And thank you for sharing. I appreciate your kind words and Godspeed to you. Sounds like you're doing a, a tremendous job there for not only those that are not cited, but for those uh, that have served. And uh, I salute you, sir. Thank you. And a big shout out to everybody listening on our streaming website, richvaldezamericaatnight.com. Of course, folks, there is more to come straight ahead. Our phone number, 833 Four eight two five three three seven eight three three four Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now eight three three four Valdez. That's eight three three four eight two five three three seven eight three three four Valdez. That's Valdez with an S. Three, four Valdez. That's eight three three four eight two 
5337-833-4VALDES. That's Valdez with an S. These sanctions will, among other things, uh, further inhibit Russia's access to products that support its military and illegal war, curtail Russia's use of the international finance financial system, uh, and star Russia of G7 produced technology needed for its aerospace and defense sectors. So, uh, again, and this is uh, Admiral John Kirby, retired Admiral John Kirby, uh, NSA spokesman, uh, doing what he does best, telling stories that don't make sense. And, you know, when Kirby says these things, sometimes they make sense. But for the most part, I feel like he's always kind of making an excuse and like uh, almost like like saying, look, I don't even believe this myself, but I kind of got to go with it. <laughs> That's always the sense that I get from him. And the uh, the conflict, of course, uh, in Russia and Ukraine continues uh, this week, Joe Biden approved $1.3 billion more in uh, defense um, aid for Ukraine. And again, I'm not against uh, helping Ukraine. I'm against bad business, right? Um, I think Trump was really apt when he said, uh, you know, he didn't, he didn't say we need to leave NATO right away. What he said was everybody's got to pay their fair share. And I think there's a lot to be said there. You know, you don't have to threaten to leave NATO yet. And then he mentioned that later on. But he made a point that, you know, the United States is paying for all this protection. You people are benefiting from this protection and you're not paying into it, whether it's the agreed upon percentage of your GDP or not. And I feel like that's the same case here. I'm not saying we shouldn't help Ukraine. I'm saying we've got to make sure that we're not throwing good money after bad. We're making wise uh, decisions when it comes to helping, uh, you know, our NATO allies and, of course, Ukraine, who is allied to us in the sense of the Budapest uh, Memorandum of Security Assurances, when they said, sure, we'll give you our nukes or we'll give up our nukes as long as you agree to protect us from Russia invading us. And here we are. We're, we're keeping our end of the bargain by mailing them stuff. We're mailing it in. But Russia still invaded. So it's a very unfortunate situation that's going on. And honestly, I, I, uh, I'm hopeful that we'll see an end to it sooner rather than later because it's costing the United States a bunch of money. And uh, we're not seeing, I don't feel like we're seeing the progress we ought to be seeing. Anyway, let's go to the phones. Uh, I remember we asked Michael from Pendleton, Oregon uh, to hang on last night. He's still holding on. My goodness, how loyal of a caller is he? Michael in Pendleton, Oregon, KUMA, go right ahead. Yes. Hey, uh, good evening, Richard. friend, uh, Michael here from Oregon. Uh, I promised I would call back. Thank you for taking my call. Um, yes, sir. Yes. I want to note on the weather. It's been a hot summer out here out west. We have a big heat dome. And in Oregon, the last month, but every day has been in the 90s and some over 100. Yesterday was around 105. And um like I said, I get a little ir- more irritable in the heat sometimes. Um, I've been uh, a landscaper for about 20 years, and so I work outdoors in the weather. And, mm. uh, yeah, it's it's tough working out in that heat sometimes and try to take a lot of water breaks. And So let me you know, ask you, Michael, um, uh, like our last guest was talking about this, do you feel yourself losing your temper or um, road rage or anything like that because of the heat? Well, nothing serious. I've, I've always been, you know, a nice guy and, uh, you know, <clears throat> mild-mannered um, and, you know, try to think of other people first. It's just, 
probably the heat. And I think that's with with probably the majority of people, uh, Rich, probably uh, when it's hot, you know, and my mom was from your area in New York City, and she used to say how hot the summers would be and the humidity and everything. And, um, yeah, you know, people get a little bit more irritable, a little more impatient, and uh, we're all human, you know, and that yeah. happens with me sometimes. But, but no, I'm, you know, I'm a nice guy. I just... Uh, you know, like to get along with people. And so that's, that's my nature. Now, let um, me ask you a quick question, Michael, because I remember yesterday we spoke about, uh, and in the past you've told us about uh, your girlfriend who uh, lives in Ukraine or visits Ukraine frequently. What's going on there? Uh, yeah, I, uh, Rich, uh, yeah, I don't mind sharing that with you and with uh, your listeners <laughs> with America. Um, I met her on a, um, website about three years ago, exactly, July of 2020. Uh, very nice lady, and we developed a close uh, friendship, a relationship. Uh, she runs a farm with her sister in central Ukraine. Um, she, like their wheat? area hasn't been... Uh, yeah, they grow barley, uh, some wheat, uh, corn, um, different vegetables and stuff. But um, she has heard, like, explosions in the distance and stuff, but they haven't had anything directly close to them, like any bombing. But she's had friends in the cities that are rich, like uh, Kiev. Mm -hmm. And she had a friend that just the other morning, uh, a missile came in. It didn't hit her building, but it hit a nearby building. And the shock wave broke her window, her friend's window, wow. who lives in Kiev. And that's got to be scary. But, um, yeah, no, the thing is, Rich, you know, I... Uh, you know, I'm concerned about the, the people in Ukraine, uh, but of course for my girlfriend. And, you know, they've had a lot of missile attacks lately. And what happened, I get these articles. I got one from the Washington Post. I just had a little paragraph here I was going to share with you. All right. Got to be quick. Reader. The music's about to kick in. Okay. Um, our moral authority and Ukraine's moral authority in this conflict comes from the fact we are supporting a country with a brutal vicious attack by its neighbor with missiles and bombs raining down on its cities and citizens. That's from National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan. And now, You know, Sullivan, he's something else. But on a statement like that, I agree. Russia's been going after Ukraine for quite a while. I'll never agree with the people that say it's good for Russia. They're repatriating their brothers. They're having a fight. No, no, no. Leave those people alone. Everybody should stay in their own place and just make some money and leave each other alone. Anyway, thank you, Michael. Big shout out to KUMA Pendleton, Oregon. We're coming right back with your calls and more. 833-4-VALDEZ. 833-482-5337. I'm Rich Valdez. That's 833-482-5337-833-4-VALDES. That's Valdez with an S. All right, America, I am back, and uh, I, I'm so happy to be here. I don't, I don't say that in jest. I'm, it's, I was having such a good time in my break time conversation with our production team. And today we're joined by our buddy Art Martinez. He's out of uh, KTLA. 
uh, which is not one of our affiliates, but a great station nonetheless. They should carry our program. We're hoping that they will in the future. And uh, and we've got Count Delacula with us. And a great team here today. Very, very grateful to be working with them. Love these guys. And uh, it, it was a good conversation. Um, if you ask me what it was about, I could not remind you. But it had a little bit to do with a lot of different things. How's that? That's like a good Washington answer. I want to go to a, a quick call here. Uh, let's go to Sandy, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. She's listening on KDKA, the oldest station in America. Sandy, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Hi, Rich. How are you? I am wonderful. Thank you so much. That's great. Uh, I wanted to comment on the other blind caller from Ohio that called in, and I wanted to thank him for his service and for what he does training the service dogs. Mm-hmm. And I like what you said about the uh, the metaphor of radio being the theater of the mind and how everyone is seated together at a large table from all over America. That is such a beautiful, beautiful imagery. And I am seeing that three-dimensionally. Mm-hmm. And I studied broadcasting, so I know very well what you mean about the acoustical spongy material on the wall and uh, when I <laughs> I'm in a rubber room <laughs> yeah um, I do have a question now they they make these references that you don't have any hair is that true do you that, not that have is any true hair? that is true I've been bald for a very long time okay one of the things that, that I like about your show is um, it's okay that, like, if callers don't always agree with you and there's some diversity of opinion, because, like, I don't always agree with with all your political views, but I like calling in, talking about other topics, because not everybody has to agree with each other to get along and yeah. to be friends. And I think I think we've lost sight of that in the past several years, like the past 10 years. You're right. And, and, you know, to me, and I, I don't want to sound all kumbaya. I'm not trying to bring everybody to the table, but I, I just want to offer them an opportunity to be at the table. Right. Uh, I'm not going to go out of my way um, to, to, to do that, but I'm not going to turn somebody away either. And I think it's important. And the reason it's important is because every day I don't live in a bubble and I also don't live in a red state. Right. I'm from New York originally. I live in Jersey now. This is as blue as it comes. And I, I, I coexist every day with people who hate my political opinions and thoughts, but still love me. And, and I, I, I may hate what they believe. And I don't really hate. It. I just probably disagree. But my point is, we have to live together. Now, some people may be fortunate to live in an area where everybody agrees with them on uh, you know, certain societal issues, political issues, whatever and what have you. But ultimately, that's just not the experience I've had growing up. It's not the ex- experience that I have as an adult either. So I, I can't help but think, look, I've got to get along with people. And just because I don't agree with you doesn't mean I have to hate you. And, you know, I, I spent a lot of time... <clears throat> going to church when I was younger. And I can tell you that there was something somebody once mentioned to you, to me, not necessarily a Bible verse or anything like that, but they just said, I can't hate you because you sin differently than I do. And I thought it doesn't get much better put than that, right? It, just because people um, may not agree with you or do what you do 
Um, we're all sinners the same way, ultimately, in God's eyes. And I'm, I'm no better than anybody else, and nor are they better than me. And, and I think it's, uh, I try to keep that mindset when we're doing the show so that we can have these conversations. Now, I might think my ideas beat the crap out of your ideas, uh, but ultimately I don't think that there's any superiority between my personhood and your personhood because we're, we're all the same in, in that aspect, Sandy. Thank you. Thank you for bringing me to the table. Oh, well, you're welcome. You've always got a seat at the table here. I appreciate it. Godspeed to you, Sandy. It was a pleasure to speak with you tonight. Let's continue. Let's go to Joshua, Atlanta, Georgia, listening on WDUN. Go right ahead. Hey, Mr. Valdez with an S. I appreciate you very much. And Thank was you. there back when um, Jim was uh, out and you were in. And it's good to have you. And every night is like being at the table. I wanted to share quickly that uh, I'm loyal to my dentist. I drive an hour and 15 minutes to him because he's the best. Wow. And when I left Atlanta Monday morning to uh, do that for my routine checkup, Atlanta was hot, but it was fine. But by the time I got to Athens, it was hazy, smoky, and very different kind of hot. And I noticed that as the day progressed, I didn't feel like myself and it wasn't a question of rage or being irritable. It was very affecting, and it really uh, brought me down. Hmm. And it wasn't until the next day, um, that was a turn and burn. I drove there and back that same day. The next wow. morning, the um, haze had reached my city, so it had traveled south overnight. And it wasn't until it dissipated later that evening with a storm that I started to feel like myself again. I really related to what that doctor said. And I hadn't been affected that way by heat before. And it's a very different kind of heat this year. And uh, I just wanted to comment on that. Thank you so That's much. That's a good point. Well, let me just stay right there because um, I, I think this is interesting. Now, was it just the heat or do you feel like it was, and I don't know if your area was affected, but I can tell you where I am, you know, New York, North Jersey, this area, we, we've gotten it like four or five times of these, um, not just the heat because the heat always sucks, but it was the heat plus this Canadian wildfire craziness that, you know, messes up the, your ability to breathe. And I only noticed it because a couple of weeks ago I had bronchitis. And let me tell you, that took no lie. Like, I might have sounded okay on the radio. Uh, there was one week where I sounded terrible on the radio. I remember that. But after I started to sound okay, my lung capacity still wasn't the same because I would go outside and I would take a deep breath. And it would be like, wow, I can't really take a deep breath like I used to. Uh, it was still kind of weak and shallow. And, and I was thinking, my goodness, this getting older stuff is for real. And uh, and then I realized I'm not breathing regular air. It's this crazy Canadian wildfire stuff. So did did any of that make its way down to Georgia? You you are absolutely correct. In fact, that's the first time it's even been mentioned here in Georgia. Because later on in the news, I actually heard that that it was finally that this had finally made its way down here, or at least the part of the latest fire did. And I have a very good lung capacity. I, I try to bike 15 miles five days a week, and I wow. do it on a single-speed bike on these hills in this city. 
and I have no problems. This was a very different kind of feeling, and it's rather frightening. I think that was part of it, too. It does have an apocalyptic kind of feel, oh, and oh, yes. it was very, very depressing. Um, took me a while to feel like myself again. And I just wanted to mention, sir, that I'm also a licensed cosmetologist, and oh, when you come cool. to Atlanta, we should do a, a benefit for a charity and cut some hair next I to each other. I would absolutely love that. Give your phone number to the uh, the producer. Hang on when, when, I, when we finish. I, I would totally take you up on that. Uh, I absolutely love that. Um, I was just talking to somebody today. It was like, you know, you ever miss cutting hair? And I was like, yeah, if I could do it like for fun or for charity, I would totally do it. I don't know if I would do it as a job anymore because it's a hard job and it takes a lot out of you. Uh, but it is such a rewarding job and very much like this one, right? If you do radio and you get to talk to the callers, it's awesome. This is heaven. If you did radio and didn't get the callers, then it's work. Uh, and, and I think that was what I loved about having a client in my chair, you know, being a barber was uh, it was kind of like radio, but more one on one rather than like one on five or six million, which is still very, very cool. I love it. And a big shout out to you, uh, Josh in Atlanta. And WDN, I would love to do that. Thanks for the call, brother. Don't go anywhere. We're coming right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Valdez. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Instead, he's trading in on Camelot, celebrity, conspiracy theories, and conflict for personal gain and fame. I've listened to him. I know him. I have no idea why anyone thinks he should be president. What I do know is... His candidacy is an embarrassment. Let's not be distracted again by somebody's vanity project. I am excited to vote for Joe Biden in my state's primary and again in the general election. And I hope you will too. All right, that's Jack Schlossberg. He's the grandson of uh, former President John F. Kennedy. He said that in an Instagram video earlier today. Again, uh, Jack Schlossberg, JFK, was his grandpa. And he's talking about RFK Jr.'s candidacy, saying that this candidacy of RFK Jr. is an embarrassment to him and his family. Now, again, I don't know how much weight that carries. He's saying, hey, I hate my family and I love Joe Biden. Um, You know, some people really dig into that, just like... uh, Trump had that niece that went against him. People absolutely adored that. The, the Trump haters bring it up all the time. Uh, and again, I guess it's a valid point. Um, 
you know, it's it's there. You can talk about it. But ultimately, I mean, whether his family likes him or not really is irrelevant to me. I'm I'm looking at more like what do you bring to the table? And and I think he's a substantive guy. I don't I don't I'm not voting for him for president and I don't even think he's going to be a great president. But I do think he uh is is running an effective campaign thus far and uh making some interesting points and bringing things to the national discourse. Uh, but Jack Schlossberg went on. He, uh, again, grandson of um, President John F. Kennedy in this Instagram video. And he says that Biden is in the middle of becoming the greatest progressive president we've ever had. What is this kid Schlossberg drinking? Listen to this. Joe Biden shares my grandfather's vision for America, that we do things not because they are easy, but because they are hard. And he is in the middle of becoming the greatest progressive president we've ever had. Under Biden, we've added 13 million jobs. Unemployment is at its lowest in 60 years. Biden passed the largest investment in infrastructure since the New Deal and the largest investment in green energy ever. He's appointed more federal judges than any president since my grandfather. He ended our longest war. He ended the COVID pandemic and he ended Donald Trump. These are the issues that matter. And if my cousin, Bobby Kennedy Jr., cared about any of them, he would support Joe Biden, too. Again, that's Jack Schlossberg, grandson of President JFK. And uh, it's fast. Again, when, when you control what you're counting and who's counting and what's being counted, you can make numbers look really, really interesting. Um, that's just how that goes. Let's go to the phones. Uh, we've got a few people here. Let's see. Where did we want to go? Uh, Rob Mitchell, South Dakota, K-O-R-N. Go right ahead. Hello. I just have a quick observation. I really appreciate and love your show and appreciate this Thank opportunity. Uh, yes, sir. Okay. You know, every party has produced a good candidate over the years. That's undeniable, both the Republicans and the Democrats. What I've learned from my grandfather and his groups in 40 states and meeting with gold star families is that these continuous resolutions and then these omnibus and now they have the minibus <laughs> yeah they make them sign down party lines on those things and they don't come up for review so that's kind of the big trap that i see because i agree i think we need to pass a budget a balanced budget and both parties are equally guilty Yes, sir. And we've seen them. They go to Washington, D.C., and, oh, they have the fervor, you know. And uh, they get there, and then the old guard, or whatever you want to call them, the establishment, they say, well, we appreciate it. You know, we're like vampires. We need that fresh blood. And uh, before you know it, they're derailed because they make them sign an actual agreement to vote on these continuous resolution spending bills. So that's it. Yeah, well, it's it's a it's an interesting point, and um, and, and I know that you know um, it, it seems like a third party might be the only solution. I'm willing to entertain that. You know, if there was a third party candidate that made a ton of sense, I'd be all in. And uh, I just don't know how realistic it is. But again, everything is kind of unrealistic until it is. And um, what was it? I think it was Steve Jobs made that great statement. I think it was. Uh, the people that are crazy enough to think they can change the world usually do or something to that effect. 
And I think um, this is one of those situations. If if you don't try, you won't know if you can win. And uh, that might be the solution. I do believe that we can get closer to a, a situation where we may get to a balanced budget if if we pick the right people. I can tell you that I don't think it happens with the current Congress we have. But I do think uh, if, if Trump could get the White House, that he could work towards trying to get um, a majority in Congress that works with him. It's one thing, it's a lot of things I like about Trump, but one of the things I like about Trump is that he's willing to make a deal. And while he can be emotional sometimes when it comes to trading barbs, when it comes to making deals, in my opinion, the key is to remain unemotional. You know, you don't get insulted by an offer that you don't like. You, You just keep negotiating and trying to get to a yes where that yes makes sense for both sides. And, and I think that he could probably use his political prowess and his experience as a, as a developer to get members of Congress, probably on the Republican side, where he'd have the most sway, to say, all right, look, um, what's it going to take to get you guys to get off of a continuing resolution and uh, to actually uh, putting forth a balanced budget? And it he may have to cut some deals with Democrats to get to that as well, depending on what their majority looks like. But ultimately, I think it's it's really important that we have somebody that would try. And in my opinion, I think Trump's probably the only one that has a shot to, to pulling off something like that. And it's still a long shot. Anyway, Rob in Mitchell, South Dakota, thank you for the call. Big shout out to KORN. Coming right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Let's go to Mark, Columbia, Missouri. KTTR, go right ahead. Yes, sir. I just want to tell you that I love your show. I found it here, you know, a couple months ago, and I listen I listen every day. I, uh, I, think, I think you're a true professional. I think you're one of the best. Yeah, I, said, I, I guess I was going to talk about that, uh, uh, what you played just now with uh, JFK's grandson. Well, thank you for your kind words. I hear that, and it just blows my mind that there are people that actually think Joe Biden is this great president, you know? <laughs> it is the craziest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, listen, I, I agree with you. And again, I'm, I am biased in this, but if I were a Democrat right now, it, it would be so hard to sit here and go, listen, Biden's the way to go. He ended COVID, he ended this, and he ended Trump. I mean... Do you spend money, sir? Like, clearly this guy's rich, because if you have a job and you work for a living, this is not a great place to be right now. Things are way rougher now than they were during the Trump years. And, uh, yeah, I'll take RFK Jr. over uh, over Biden any day. And I don't even like RFK Jr. because I don't even know the guy. Mark in Columbia, thanks for the call. I appreciate the compliment. Folks, take care. Good night. God bless. Hasta la próxima. We'll do it again on Monday.
The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.